Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Today we are finishing up the real deal about romance, which is also just another way to say we're talking about sex, right? And we talked about it last week, and we used a couple of analogies. Can I have the house? I either need these down. I need the house lights up. I need something, but this is blinding. It's reflecting off my glasses. These right here. If I could have those turned down, please. Because um, I can't see anybody. All I see is the glare off my glasses. Um, the, uh, we used a couple analogies last week, right? We talked about the fact that um, all of culture, we say, like, don't touch the stove, right? But the culture is constantly saying, if we use that to, as an analogy with don't have sex, that every song is about touching the stove. Every TV show is about touching the stove, right? That... In ways, we are constantly bombarded with messages of sexuality, right? And so we talked about that. We talked about this idea that um, a fire is warm and inviting and great in in its proper context, in the context of it being in the firebox of your house, right? But if you take it out of the firebox of your house, it causes, wreaks havoc, right? And causes a mess and leaves scars within your house. And so... We talked about um, this idea that our relationship, a physical, spiritual oneness that we have with another person, um, is reflective of the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit kind of reflects this idea that uh, two people, a man and a woman, and the Holy Spirit, come together as one in in reflecting God's pattern and God's design, um, and that it's mysterious, and that sex is good. Right, And that we, we can kind of get this thing in our minds that, oh, you know, we, we don't want to talk about sex, we don't want to think about sex, we just, and the church kind of ignores it while the culture never, ever stops talking about it. So um, we also said that the ultimate goal between a husband and wife is that you would be naked and unashamed, right? That you would have that kind of, of oneness, that kind of intimacy with another person, that you would be able to approach them and... Uh, be completely unashamed in that relationship, that that is God's goal, and that that oneness helps you stay together in, in tough times. And so anyway, the, the podcast will be up from last week's talk if you want to see that, but that's kind of where we went. Uh, tonight we want to talk about singleness. So in thinking of this, that pie chart where you've got the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, man, woman, and so, so what happens when you're single in regards to that? And we do have, I have a little chart for that, so... Um, if you can throw that one up. So this is the way it's supposed to be when you're single, right? It's just you and the Holy Spirit. It's just you and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible actually talks a lot about singleness. Um, we don't do a good job in the church of talking about singleness. And I say that because um, we talk a lot about marriage and about families. And, and the thing is, right now, all of you, if you're not a D-group leader in here who's married, you're all single. Even if you're dating somebody... This, this pie chart should reflect who you are right now, right? Hopefully that you, if you are a believer, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
And this is, uh, this is where we want to go with this. Let's look at some verses, and we're going to hit a lot of scripture tonight, so bear with me. Um, 1 Corinthians 7 says this. Now, as a concession, 1 Corinthians 7, by the way, Paul talks a lot about singleness, if you want to know. So that's the, the chapter. Um, now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God. Now, notice that. He calls this a gift. One of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Okay, and then we go down to verse 32. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. Okay, so let's unpack this a little bit. So what he's saying here is, first off, he describes in verse 7, he says, each person has his own gift from God. So he describes singleness not as a bad thing, not as, oh, sorry, you're single. He's like, no, that's a gift. And he actually says, because Paul is single, he says, I wish everybody was like me. Because being single is amazing. And he gives us a reason for that. Um, At the bottom, he says, I mean, the last verse I read, he said, that an unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, right? When you are single, your job and my job, by the way, this is our job for all eternity here, but especially while we're on earth, is to expand the kingdom of God, right? That's what we're here to do. You and I are here to build up the kingdom of God in whatever way God calls us to do that, using our gifts and abilities to do that. And so he says when you're single, you can just go after it. Go do it. And... You know, I see this a lot with, uh, especially with youth workers, okay, because we have people, residents like Tegan, who's a young single guy, and he is able to chase down people and just go after it all the time, right, as an example. Um, Devin, same thing. You know, when they're single, now, guess what? Devin and Tegan are both getting ready to get married. Um, Not to each other. They're marrying different people. But, but... You know what? So when, when Tegan and Heather get married, guess what? Is Tegan going to be able to pursue ministry the way that he has up till now? Nope. If he does, that's going to be a problem. It, when they have kids, is he going to be able to pursue ministry the same way he has now? Nope. He, he's going to have to make adjustments again. If not, he's going to have problems. So, so when you're single, that, that just goes to show there's ways that you can be just doggedly pursuing God's kingdom you know, you can say, oh, yeah, you, God, you're calling me to move to, to Russia tomorrow? Yeah, sure, I'll drop everything and go if you're single. When you're married, you can't do that. I mean, and if you have kids, it, it complicates everything. Not saying God doesn't call you to Russia with a family. I'm just saying that you see what I'm saying. It's very complicated. When it's just you, you have incredible mobility and, and ability to work in the kingdom of God. So he says not everybody has this gift. And here's what he says. Um, also, he says, it is good for them to remain single. He calls the gift good. Singleness is a good thing. And it is a good gift. All right? So keep that in mind. Um, so we have this gift from God. It's listed as good. And it's not something that the church does a very good job of celebrating at all. Now, it also says in this passage, you're not called to it if you don't have self-control or if you burn with passion. Now, what this passage is not saying is that you have to be a robot. Like, hey, if you never have a thought about marriage, or if you never... It's not saying that, okay? This is a process that takes time. It doesn't mean you won't be tempted. It doesn't mean that there won't be uh, desires. And again, we wanna, I want to continually say that sexual desire in and of itself is not a simple thing. 
You were created for it. Even if you're called to singleness, that doesn't mean you're never going to have a sexual desire. Okay? The passage, we don't want to read into the passage and say too much about that. Um, And we also want to say that singleness is not something that's holier, even though Paul is saying this is good if you're single, it's not holier than getting married. Okay? Both are good. Um, that's the, the, the mistake the Roman Catholics made. They read this and said, okay, well, priests can't get married. Boom, you know, and we've seen that cause a few problems in the Catholic Church. So, you know, so anyway, singleness is good. It's to be celebrated, and God calls certain people to that. And I, I've got news for you. Right now, all of you are called to singleness. Uh, you may not be called to it for long. Some of you might get married young, but you're called to singleness right now. Okay, and uh, and we want to keep that in mind. So how then what we're going to unpack here is how do you then keep from sinning sexually? How do you do that? Okay, and and so here's some some more passages. Let's look at real quick. One is how do you steward your body? All right. Stewarding your body. Well, your body belongs to God. That's the first thing. Okay, and so for us to keep that in mind, first Corinthians six food is meant for the stomach. And stomach for the food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Okay, so what is your body made for? It's made for the Lord. That you're supposed to honor him with the way that you steward your body. Uh, If you keep reading down to verse 18, he says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexual immorality, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Look at the last line there. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. Okay, so you're first off, your body belongs to God because he made it. He created it. And then he bought and paid for it by dying for you on the cross. So, like, it's his it's, you know, you belong to him. And so he's saying you need to steward your body well because it's been paid for with a very high price, okay? He made it and he died for it. But your body also belongs, if you are going to get married someday, which none of us know that, whether you are or not, um, unless you've already been betrothed or something I don't know about, right? That you probably, if you're going to get married, your body belongs to your future spouse. Look at the next passage from 1 Corinthians 7. Now concerning matters of which you wrote... It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So once again, he's saying, hey, staying single is a good thing. But because of temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife her husband. That means they should have sex together. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps in agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Okay, so again, sexual desire is a good thing. God has given that to us. Your job right now as a single person is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to pursue God's kingdom, and you're stewarding your body knowing that it belongs to God and it belongs to your future spouse. If you do not have a future spouse, then it belongs to God. Okay? That's uh, what scripture has to say about this. Now, this is, this is tough. In the society we live in, right? This oversex society that's talking about touching the stove all the time. Right? We talked about that. So, 
I have a little illustration for us. Uh, when, I was a, when I was younger, I used to go to the pool every summer, and, and we had this pool that had a low dive and a high dive. Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever been to, to the swimming pool that has that, the low dive is kind of fun, right? A diving board, you can do a flip, you can do some things, it's a lot of fun. And I used to go off the low dive when I was little. And then, one day, I went off the high dive. And I will tell you, the high dive was way better and way more fun. Do you think I ever went off the low dive once I went off the high dive? Not much. Not much at all, because the high dive was so much more fun. Now, little kids would climb up there and think they were ready for the high dive, and they would get up there, and then they would get scared, and they would go, I can't do this. And then they'd turn around, but there'd be people already on the ladder behind them, and it was always a mess. The lifeguard would blow the whistle and back everybody down and, and all that, and you'd see that these kids just really weren't ready for the high dive at all, okay? So um, let's, talk, let's use this in talking about sexuality, all right? Another, another analogy for us. So the low dive, we're going to say this is like holding hands with somebody, maybe hugging somebody, or kissing, okay? Let's keep that on the low dive, Okay, the low dive. And we're going to say that the high dive is having sex, right? When you go off the high dive, you have had intercourse, okay? So what I want to talk about is what are the pressures that push us up the ladder, right? If you're not ready for that, you should stay on the low dive, okay? And if you only know the low dive, the low dive is pretty awesome, right? So we're going to stay on the low dive, but what are these pressures that seem to be pushing us up the ladder, okay? So let's talk about those real quick. Um, so the first one is this, we can think that everybody's doing it, and I'm weird if I'm not, okay? We can start thinking, oh, everybody's having sex, at least when you watch TV, that's the way it looks, right? Every high schooler only talks about sex, and everybody's having sex. Basically, movies and television and all the songs on the radio will tell you that's what's going on. What percentage of high schoolers do you think are having sex? I heard 70, 60... Uh, believe it or not, the, the most recent statistics say that by age 18, so that's not even everybody, that's just, just by age 18, only 40% of students have had sex by age 18. That number's actually gone down almost 20% since I was in high school. When I was in high school, the number was 20% higher. So your generation's doing way better so far in that area, okay? So... It's not real. In fact, you're going you're gonna to hear every song on the radio sounds like every woman is like a, a sex-crazed maniac, you know, who's ready to tear her boyfriend's clothes off. It's just not real. <laughs> guys, that's not real. I'm telling you. I know all the guys are like, man, you mean that's not really the way it is? Yeah, that's not the way it is. So, music, TV, all these things, they're lying to you. All right, second thing. Next step, physical desire and curiosity. These things are normal again, right? You were created with a physical desire and a curiosity uh, to have sex. And so if you don't stay on the low dive, though, uh, you know, there's some things that that we're going to talk about as we go through this. Um, So years ago, I went to a psychologist who actually worked with pedophiles in the prison system. Uh, He came and talked to our... um, our session at a church I was at because of this situation we were dealing with. And, but he told us something that was really fascinating that actually, and this, this actually goes for a lot of different kinds of sin, but especially when you think about sexual sin, that 
There are stop signs in our brains, okay, that we deal with. And Mark, if you can, you can pull those up. Okay, so there's stop signs in your brain. And basically, yeah, isn't he, isn't he awesome? So basically, what happens is when you have something that you see as a barrier, like, for example, you wouldn't just randomly go up and just start holding hands with some girl, you know, that you just met, right? That, there's a barrier there, right? Um, or you wouldn't just start kissing, you know, like maybe, maybe, maybe you would. Let, let's say, okay, let's say this, though. Let's say you've never, you've never kissed anybody, you've never really had a girlfriend or boyfriend, all right? So there's a barrier there, and I'm telling you, when you go up and you hold a girl's hand for the first time, it's awesome. Like, it's like, I'm touching a girl's hand. I mean, it's amazing, <laughs> right? Okay, if, if some of you have experienced this, you're like, this is fantastic. The first time you put your arm around a girl, I mean, I remember this. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Boom, 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 boom. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like, awesome. Okay, so you do that, and then maybe you have your first kiss, okay? Well, each time you do that, what's happening is touching a girl's hand is like you go up, and you touch, you hold her hand, and you go through this stop sign, right? And then you go up, and you kiss, you kiss a girl, and when you kiss a girl, that stop sign is now gone. So here's what happens. The next girl you date, guess what? You don't just hold her hand. You go straight to kissing, right? Now, what if you progress farther in your physical relationship? Here's a graph up here that shows the same thing. Maybe they go, the guy and the girl in the middle start out, and then the girl, she's dating different guys going to the left, and the guy is dating different girls going to the right. So they just hold hands maybe the first time, and maybe they go through those first three stop signs together. Well, guess what they're each doing, too? They're training or helping the other person go through those stop signs, then when she dates somebody else, you know what she does? She goes all the way back to the next stop sign. And if she goes through that stop sign, and you basically work your way through these stop signs until you go all the way and go off the high dive. Okay? And so we can put these. So, so what, what you have to do when you've gone farther than you want to go, okay? Let's say... I'm talking to you right now, and some of you are like, man, I'm all the way up to the last line. Like, I've already gone really far with a guy or a girl, and this is bad. You know, like, I'm, I'm about to go over the edge here. Or maybe you have gone all the way, and you've already had sex with someone, okay? You can actually go back and rebuild these stop signs. Did you know that? You can actually, the psychologist told me, he said, actually, what they do when they work with these people is they teach them how to kind of go back and reinforce and build up these signs again and put them back in place, okay? And so you can actually start dating that next guy or girl and say, hey, you know what? I've made mistakes in my life. I've gone farther than I wish I would have, but I want you to know that I love Jesus Christ and this, is, this honors him when I steward my body well. And if you're gonna date me, we're stopping here. We're stopping at this place, Okay? We're staying on the low dive, as we had up earlier, right? And, and you can put consequences in place, and you have to reinforce that in your mind. But in your mind, I want you to think now, you know what you're all going to think about now? You're going to think about these stop signs. I've now implanted that in your brain. Next time you're kissing your boyfriend or girlfriend or your prom date or whatever, you're going to be thinking about these signs. And you're going to be like, wait a second, did I just go through another one of those? Um, all right, so... That's important. That's another barrier, right? It's just curiosity 
And, and how do we manage that? We build these stop signs. If you haven't gone through those signs yet, it's still a good idea to reinforce those now and sit down with that person that you're dating, have that conversation and say, we are going to go here and no farther. Okay? And you, you reinforce that over and over again. One of the next steps, and I'm going to go through these quickly, is fear of losing relationships. Sometimes you might go too far with uh, this. I think women are sus- especially susceptible to this. But guys can get in this problem too and think, hey, I'm going to lose this relationship if we don't take it farther and take it into an area sexually that we don't need to go. Um, And, you know, the strategy to combat this is, think about this, is what is your self-worth? Where's your self-worth really coming from in this situation? You know, if you have to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you just have to have them so that you're willing to go farther physically than you want to, that's, that's a, there's something in us that is really, we're putting way too much value in that relationship than we are in trying to honor God, right? We're not getting our self-worth from, from who God is. We're getting it from that relationship if it's that important to us, okay? So it's good to ask ourselves that question. Um, and you'll see this in people that you know that have to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. Like they break up with somebody and immediately they start dating somebody else, you know, like within a month. That's the kind of person who is probably getting their self-worth from from that relationship and not from, from Christ. Um, the next step is being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, this one, honestly, I think is the number one thing that if you hear nothing else I'm saying when it comes to these kind of strategies, this is the one that you need to put in place, okay? Being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and the reason I say this is, is because it, so many people, remember, if sex is not a bad thing in and of itself, and God designed you to have sex, right? I mean, you are at an age when your body is like, let's go. That's just the reality, okay? If you put yourself in the position with no plan, you are setting yourself up for failure big time, okay? Um, And what I mean by this is, like, let's say you're dating someone and physically you know you're really attracted to each other and then your parents are out of town or her parents are out of town and she's like, hey, my parents are gone. You want to come over and watch a movie? That's just like, you know, you're just like, getting in a steamroller and going over the stop signs on the way over to her house. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You know that that's going to be trouble. If you're going over there, you're like, wow, there is no, there's nothing that is going to stop us from going through some of these stop signs. And in your mind, you're going to think, ah, we're not going to do that. I don't want to do that. But your body goes into autopilot mode, okay? You don't, you may not want to up here, but your body will start doing things and betraying you in ways that you don't think it can happen. And so not putting yourself in that situation. If you don't have a plan, all right, let me say this the way I have it written here. Um, But if you don't have a plan not to go too far, I've totally written this wrong. But if you don't have a plan, you are planning to go too far. If you don't plan not to go too far, you are planning to go too far. Does that make sense? You have to actually plan not to. That's why we, we say things like, you know what, why don't you group date? Or why don't you date and go and be in public places? Very few people are having sex in the middle of Starbucks. Okay? Most people like to have sex when they're all alone with that person. So if you only see your boyfriend or girlfriend in public places, you're probably not going to fall through some of these stop signs, right, uh, in a public place. If you are, that's really gross. Um, all right, so 
People always ask me, the next thing they always say, though, when it comes to this, is they say, well, then, Jeff, where's the line? I want to know where the line is. Oh, gosh, I've been asked that question so many times by teenagers. Now, I want us to think about this idea. Where's the line? We, why is it that with this particular sin, we want to get our toes right up on the line? Right? We're like, is this the line? Because this, this is where I want to be. Right? If this is as far as I can go, I want to get as close as I possibly can. Is that, does God ever deal with sex like that? Or any sin like that? Does he ever say, you know what, stealing, you need to get as close to stealing as you can. Like walk into a Walmart, put stuff in your pockets, walk around for a while, right before you go out the door, take it out. We wouldn't do that, that's crazy, right? But that's the way we treat sexuality. Oh, I'm not really going to have sex, but I'm going to get as close to it as I possibly can. And that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Okay, so the... We have this, the Bible says again in 1 Corinthians 6, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. Flee, flee. He says run away from it. Okay, so, so how do we do that? Um, I'll tell you one possible strategy, and this doesn't mean you haven't crossed the line or sinned before that, but I'm telling you this. If no clothes ever come off, you're probably Okay. Okay, I'm not saying you haven't sinned before that. You can definitely sin with your clothes on with someone of the opposite sex. But what I'm trying to say is it's pretty hard to have intercourse with all your clothes on. Something has to be pulled up, pulled down, pulled aside, unzipped, unbuttoned, unvelcroed, something. Right? You cannot, you cannot just say, hey, listen. So what I'm saying is, If you keep all your clothes on all the time before you get married, you're probably not going to have too many regrets on your wedding night. Okay? Again, doesn't mean you haven't crossed the line before then. Remember the toe analogy. We don't try to get our toes up on the line. But I'm saying, if you're dating somebody and they're like, hey, wait a minute, and they lean back and pull their shirt off, you run out of the room screaming. (laughs) You understand? That's when you say, "Uh uh-uh, we're not doing that. Uh Uh-uh. That's a line, okay? That's not, maybe not the best line, but it is a line. All right. Next thing, lack of accountability. Um, and again, you want to stay on the low dive. That's really the best, the best strategy. Lack of accountability. You need to have people in your life when you're dating somebody, you say, hey, hold me accountable. Ask me questions. After I've been with this girl or with this guy, you need to say, what happened? How far did you go? What's going on? Or, and they're going to encourage you before you go on that date, right? Hey, you guys are going out. Are you going to their house to watch Netflix with no one home for hours at a time? Probably a bad idea. So get someone to hold you accountable. The next one is, culture says it's normal if you care about somebody. And this is a misunderstanding that we have, guys, about love. Okay, we think that we fall in and out of love. Like that this is just some wave that carries us away. Do you know the Bible doesn't talk about love that way? The Bible does talk about lust that way. You do fall in and out of lust. And that, by that I mean when you're attracted to somebody, you, you can have a, a magnetism, a very powerful feeling of attraction towards somebody, um, and that is a feeling. But love is an action. Love is an action, and it's something that you, you will yourself to do. Okay? Why would it say in Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Okay, so he's saying, the Bible is telling us you can love your enemies 
And that if you only love people who love you, what, so what? Everybody does that. Like the Bible is saying you have power to enter into this relationship and exert your will and serve someone and say, I am choosing to love you. Okay? So don't buy into this myth that this is just something you fall into. Okay? And that you have no control over. Um, so, and again, we could do a whole lesson just on that. Uh, next thing, porn and the hookup culture is definitely affecting us in the way that we look at sexuality. If you are regularly looking at pornography, guess what? You're blowing through the stop signs just in your mind. Right? You're going through those stop signs in your brain, and then guess what? When you're with somebody, you're going to naturally want to go there because you've already gone through those in your mind. That's why, and this is a whole, we could spend hours on this, just thinking about sex and going there and lusting in your brain, it can damage you in the same way that, that physically doing it. Okay? So we want to be careful that we're not doing that. Sexting is taking us through the stop signs faster. If you are like, I'm not going to do anything physical with a guy, but man, you will get on that phone and talk about it all the time. Guess what? You're still going through the stop signs. And you're going through them at a faster pace than you would. Then, then you're, you're taking those barriers down. And so all of these things are things we need to be aware of. Um, because the Bible says so is not going to be strong in the moment. And then the last step that I'll put up is alcohol and drugs is something that you may have no intention of going so far physically with someone. But when you are on drugs or alcohol, suddenly that seems like a really good idea. Okay? So, again, these are strategies. You need to be thinking about all of these things if you want to, uh, if you want to not sin sexually, right? You're going to have to keep these things in mind. In closing, I want to say this. Abstinence, so as a single person, you're called to, to, to abstain, right? You're called to do that as, as a strategy. And here's the thing. If, have you ever been really hungry and someone's like not letting you eat? That's pretty miserable, isn't it? Like, or you're, you're, you're really hungry and then you just pass, you're on a trip and you just pass the last stop that had restaurants and so it's like, 80 miles before the next stop where you can get off and find a Chick-fil-A and you're just dying and you want to kill somebody because you're so hungry and someone is not letting you eat. Um, That can be how this is. But if you fast, if you're fasting or if you're dieting and you're choosing not to eat, it's easier. If you're fasting and you're saying, you know what, I'm choosing this. I'm not going to eat for a purpose or a reason. It's easier. I'll tell you. I've done some long fasts before, and it's amazing. You get, like, past day three, and you're like, this is actually a piece of cake to not eat. I know it seems weird. But, but when you choose to do that and you enter into that, and I think that is what God calls us to do to abstain, is that when we choose to, it's, the craving is much more manageable for us. Um, Tim Keller said that. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, I'm going to close with this, and I'm sorry, leaders, that I went long, but we had a lot to get through. Uh, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness." Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit.
to you. My final message to you is to keep in mind, God did not call us for impurity, but he called us for holiness. We are to honor God with our body. And he called us to be holy. And let's keep that in mind as we are called to be single in this season. All right? Um, and, and just a reminder, again, I said this a lot last week, but if you weren't here, if you have already gone through a lot of these stop signs and you've already gone farther than you'd like to, you know what? There's forgiveness. There's repentance. That's why you need a Savior, right? That's why we all need a Savior, is because all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. You are not beyond the reach of God's forgiveness. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, Lord, just thank you for making us the way that you did. It's amazing. And thank you for sex and sexuality. Um, Lord, help us to keep it in the proper place uh, where it can be enjoyed, where it can be something that strengthens our relationship with our spouse one day. Lord, there are a lot of people in this room that you've called to be single. Um, You've called all of them to be single for a season. And you may be calling some of them to be single for a lifetime. Lord, that we may embrace that, not just individually, but as a church, that we would embrace it. And, and glory in the fact that, that they have this mobility, that they have the ability to go after your kingdom with utter abandon. And Lord, help us to see that as a gift and keep that in its proper place uh, to honor you with it. And so Lord, help all of us to honor you with our bodies. Lord, help and forgive us. Help us to develop strategies to remain, uh, Lord, sexually pure. And I also pray, God, that you would help us to rebuild those stop signs. If some of us have gone through those and already made mistakes, help us to back up. And we can rebuild those signs and honor you with our bodies. So all these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.